make sure that fits into your own goals. Like, why are you trying to become a franchisee? Or do you want to buy yourself this job? Or are you trying to have multiple locations that provide um, you know, financial stability for you and your family, right? You don't have to invest half a million dollars to buy yourself a $75,000 job. Right. You can just go to work at Olive Garden, become a general manager, sure. make 75,000 bucks, save yourself half a million dollars in investments, and all the headache stress of running a restaurant. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Tech Bytes. Today we're gonna take a second part of our franchisee conversation and we're gonna be talking about what should the franchisee look for when they're evaluating brands on what to franchise. There is no other uh, better expert than our typical speaker, Mr. Kendall Ware. He's been in that space for a very long time, has grown several brands, has been uh, with smaller brands that has gained a lot of franchisees, grown it through franchisee, operation and has been at the helm of Cinnabon and Carvel managing 2200 locations and I'm sure several hundred franchisees globally. So Kendall, welcome back in. Awesome, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Like I said, there's no better expert in this space than you. So anything I'm learning even as I'm having these conversations with you. So let's dig in. All right. uh, I'm trying to go franchise a concept. I want to get into a, a restaurant business. What am I looking for? How am I looking? Uh, or what am I looking for? What steps should I sure. take? What pitfalls? Yep. What mistakes not to make, etc. So yeah. you've got a ton of experience in that on both sides. So sure. want us to a little bit. So it's, it's a very common question that a lot of franchisees have or, or prospects who are out there looking around. And I'll say that a lot of the, the basic things that you need to look for are not talked about enough. So they're basic in the world of franchising, but they're not basic for the average prospect looking around. Most prospects find a brand they're engaged with, they dine there, they enjoyed it, they have some sort of tie to it. So then they think, oh, I should go become a franchisee, I'm gonna go look into this. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes that's also a recipe for disaster because you're going to something that you may enjoy as a consumer, but doesn't mean you're gonna enjoy it as an owner. Um, and so the things that I would focus on are a little more technical. Once you get into a process, sure, go out there and find a brand you enjoy, find a brand you understand, something you could see yourself being you know, involved in. But after that, you've got to dive into the details. So the first thing I would focus on is once you go through the process with any franchisor, um, once you get through certain steps and pass certain qualifications of net worth and background checks, credit checks, whatever the franchisor prefers, then you can get the FDD. That's the franchise disclosure document. That's basically the, the end-all, be-all of the franchise brand. It tells you everything you need to know about that brand, the good and the bad. Uh, but once you get to that FDD, there's certain items and sections in the FDD that you should focus on. So if I'm a franchisee going to evaluate a brand, the first thing I would focus on is item seven. So item seven, if you wanted to flip straight to that page, item seven is gonna break down all the costs associated with building and owning that, that franchise going forward. So your operating costs, uh, how much it's gonna to take to actually build out the units, the equipment costs, technology costs, everything that goes into it will be disclosed. And, and that's a good indicator to see what you're getting involved in, right? Is this a spin that you can actually maintain? Are you willing to go and invest the four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars maybe millions of dollars to build this out? Um, and get a feel for what that operating capital needs to look like. It's one thing to go raise the money to build it, it's another thing to find enough money to build it and then operate it for the first couple months, right? Um, and the biggest mistake I see people make is they get in, they get the loan, but they don't have any money to actually operate once they open. And then they start to figure out how to cut costs from day one versus trying to grow the business. 
Yeah, man, and we always say don't cost yourself, don't cost out, of yourself out of business. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. And, and it happens so. frequently, right? Um, so item seven will give you all those details, right? It's gonna really dive into it. And if I'm evaluating a franchisor right now, I would ask the question to the franchisor, how much has this item nine, how much has this item seven increased over the last couple of years? Because all the commodities have gone up, all the, the manufacturers have raised prices, there's a lot of delays, and a lot of people are paying extra to get certain goods or equipment. And so it's best to understand what's happening with that amount. And to make sure, sure. the franchisor has done their research to make sure that the amount hasn't gone up and they haven't properly disclosed it. Yeah, right. and actually that's funny because last time we talked about on our previous episodes, I didn't even know that, but they have to maintain and update that on a consistent basis. That's right, yeah. Otherwise there's some regulations and government entities Absolutely. that can get involved, lawsuits and all that jazz. So yeah. on and the franchisor side, they've got to be really careful because that item seven has probably changed drastically it, it in the has. last three years. It has, for many brands. And it's always gonna give you a range. And so you have to understand that range and, and understand what that low is and that high and why. Right, what, what, what dictates that, that large range that you see today? Because some brands have a very large one, some brands have it more dialed in, and some brands will actually do it by model. So if you have a kiosk, here's your range. If you have a non-traditional, here's your range, you know, full service, it just really depends. But it's good to understand all that information to make sure that you, again, you know what you're getting into and it's something you can see is feasible for you and whatever your financial situation is. Yeah. Um, so item seven is that first piece. Again, it's all build out and operating costs to do business as that franchise. The second thing I would focus on, and it's probably the most important, is item 19. So item 19 is all the financial representation of that brand. It's gonna run you through you know, franchisees P&Ls, it's gonna run you through the franchisor, it's gonna run you through everything that's happening financially, but it's good to get a feel for how that profitability is today. Now, this gets tricky, and uh, you know, I've mentioned this before, but as you get into item 19, not all franchises are represented, right? Not all of the operating units today are showing their P&L. It's up oh, to the franchise. Oh wait, so they could actually pick and choose who <laughs> they, they represent. They can pick and choose. Oh. Within certain reasoning, they can pick and choose based upon model type. They can pick and choose based upon menu and what they offer versus what the standard is. Like there's a lot of factors and the, the more, I would say, sophisticated the brand, the better that information is. So some brands may not actually show all the P&Ls of all the franchisees for a couple reasons. One, it may not be a pretty picture, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to find the best representation of their brand, which they should do, but in a, in a honest manner, right? It shouldn't, sure. they, you know, it's understandable to weed out some of the underperforming units or the ones they know that they are closing or whatever the issue may be, or maybe it's simply because they know that they're not gonna get that information from the franchisee. And that's more of a compliance challenge on the franchisor's behalf. Um, but for most cases, not all the locations are represented in that item 19. So just know that whatever snapshot you're seeing is, is not a full representation of the entire brand. And so you'll get to that information later on in another topic, but it's best to understand that. Look at what the profitability is. Make sure that fits into your own goals. Like, why are you trying to become a franchisee? Or do you want to buy yourself this job? Or are you trying to have multiple locations that provide um, you know, financial stability for you and your family, right? Absolutely, and actually that brings, a, yeah, that brings for me, that brings it uh, to a very close uh, thing that I constantly say is, you know, you don't have to invest half a million dollars to buy yourself a $75,000 job. That's right. You can just go to work at Olive Garden, become a general manager, sure. make 75,000 yeah. bucks, save yourself half a million dollars in right. investments, and all the headache stress of running a restaurant. That's right. That's so right. that is very critical. Yep. And this is a great point that you brought on because it's, it's the unknown unknown. Right. 
I did not, even I didn't know that item 19 is not a representation of the entire brand. I figured right. it was. Sure. Like, I, you just assume that it is. So, right. the right. things you don't know is what's going to really Absolutely. impact Absolutely. you big time. Because you may end up in the situation that you invest half a million bucks, 750,000 bucks, yeah. you bought yourself a $75,000 job, and That's it's right. like, oh. That's right. What did I get myself into now? That's and it's right. too late and you've already, now you're on the hook. Now you're on the hook for a minimum of 10 plus years, right? Depending yeah. upon the agreement. So it, it just, it's so critical. So look at the gross revenue numbers, look at the EBITDA they're disclosing, and just understand what the averages are, right? Some franchisors will break it down into certain categories, uh, showing you like volume bands. And if you're in this volume band, here's your average EBITDA. It's just lots of stuff that you just need to digest. Sure. But ask all the questions imaginable to that franchisor to make sure that you can truly understand what it's saying. Um, now, you would want to be careful of asking certain questions. So for example, if you're asking the franchisor more detailed questions around financials and it's not disclosed in the FDD, it may be good for you to get that answer, but it's, it's usually a bad sign that the franchisor is not following FTC regulations and the rules of franchising, because they might just be trying to sell you, so to speak, on other wins or other financial that are, that are not disclosed, right? Yeah. And so you want to watch out for that. Some franchisors might start throwing all kinds of numbers at you to show how good you're doing, but if it's not listed in the FDD, don't take it as actual. Yeah, because yeah. they could say anything, but on that FDD document, it's... A Governance that that's right. is guy that's controlled right. through a, some sort of a agency, right. a government agency. Yeah, and and I think it's controlled through is FTC, it yeah, FTC? Federal Trade Commission. Yeah, and you know the, the franchisor can say all those things; it can get them in trouble. Actually, like yeah. it's they're not supposed to do that. It's, they're supposed to only speak to what's in the FDD. Yeah. Um, so just signs to watch out for on the franchisee side. But so item 19 is critical. That's usually the tell-all, be-all of a franchise because that tells you whether it's worth investing in or not. Now, I still recommend reading the FDD cover to cover, right? You should do that, but these are just certain areas where you can hone in pretty quick to help with your evaluation process to weed out some of the bad apples. I right? wonder how many people actually read through that FDD cover to cover. I, I know I do, but I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like how big are these It's FDD about 350 are? pages. Oh wow, yeah, so good luck, that's most like people, a book. Yeah, most people are overwhelmed, they say, forget this, I'm not gonna <clears> read that. Um, and so if you have me one of those people, Maybe you're not ready to read all the FTDs right now because you could be evaluating five to 10 brands, but skip to these items real quick. Yeah. Do quick reviews, get your questions, and then when you find the couple you like, then go and read everything to make I sure you have a better idea. It. Just call Kendall, <laughs> say, hey, Kendall, read yes. this 350 page book, Feel tell free. me what to do. Yeah. All right, Feel I'm free to contact him and, and have him. Make, uh, and actually, you do some consulting I do, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I help so out you, franchisees you, all the time. Yeah. And franchisors. So yeah. you're on both sides. So That's you right. really clearly understand both sides That's of the right. equation. So I stay very uh, close to it, and I've served as a franchisee, mm -hmm. served as a franchisor. That's where my passion is, so I stay very close to it. Absolutely. And actually, so the initial conversation that you said, so obviously I was a full-time day trader, yeah. and I remember one time one of my, uh, he was a trader as well, really good friends, and um, I don't know what we were doing. We were walking upstairs in the bars in Noble, and we were talking about trades and stocks, yeah. and I'm like, you know what, this would be a great company to buy. And he's like, why? And I'm yeah. like, well, I mean, just look at the business. Like, I come here all the time. So, sure. like, I assumed it was doing really well, et cetera. So, right. so, back to your point, you don't just go out there just because Starbucks is your favorite coffee shop. Right. It doesn't mean you go buy their stock because they're yeah. a great business model. Yeah. It, that It just doesn't work hand in hand. Right. So, back to your point of you don't just go to XYZ sub shop right. and then you're like, oh, I love this. I spent a ton of money in here. I should buy a franchisee. Right, right. But that happens <clears> a lot. 
And in fact, one of the brands I led, it was 80% of our franchisees became franchisees because they were guests of our location and yeah. loved us so much. Yeah. Now, that's a great thing for passion. It's a great thing for like engagement and excitement in the brand and it builds a culture. But that doesn't mean you're getting people who are skilled as franchisees. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so it's a balance. You can teach a lot of those skills, but at the same time, you have a lot of business acumen challenge that come with that. And usually the money doesn't get managed appropriately to where there's a lot of closures or just downside that comes with it, right? So it's just, just the balance of the franchisor that you have to manage. But to your point, you know, you see these brands that come out and they come out of nowhere. They have a couple locations. Those locations do well. It's high quality food. And you see them sign on hundreds of franchise agreements. Yep. And this is usually where the trap happens. So as a franchisee who's looking for an opportunity, you might see, oh wow, this unit or this brand just opened 100 locations last year and they signed another 200 agreements. I want to get involved now before it's too late. And it creates that urgency, but usually that's not a brand you want to get involved with unless these other metrics are actually adding up. Is item 19 actually proving itself out, right? Is it too early in the process to where the model's not even proven yet to where you shouldn't even be considering it, right? So it's sometimes those fast growing concepts are actually the ones to stay away from. Uh, but it just depends. It depends on how they're truly performing. Got you. Yeah. yeah, and actually that brings up a point because if there's no history, then right. Yeah, it may it may be doing well and it may do well for a couple of years, three years, and then yeah. the fad goes away, and then here you are stuck with a ten-year right. agreement. That's right. Yeah. So item nineteen again, financial representation of the brand. So there's there's five key things I would look at when evaluating a franchise opportunity. Now, there's many more than that that you'll get to eventually, but there's five key ones you can do initially just to help you weed out some of the process and really get a feel for what brand you're getting engaged with. Uh, so we covered one, two, but so the third thing that I, the third thing I would evaluate. Actually, just to kind of set stage, so item seven, okay, item right. so, 19. So the, fir the first thing I would evaluate is item seven. Yeah. Right, the true build out cost, cost and operating yeah. cost of that franchise. Sure. The second thing I would evaluate is item 19. That's the financial representation of that franchise. Got it. The third thing I would evaluate is item 20. Item 20 is going to give you the snapshot of how many locations have opened and closed in that year. And, and a couple of years back, I think it's a three-year run rate, but it's going to show you the open and close rate. It's going to show you how many units are being transferred or have been transferred, which is another sign to look out for. So if you see a bunch of franchise restaurants have been transferred to other franchisees, you need to find out why. And maybe you're reaching out to those franchisees and just asking them. Maybe you're asking the franchisor and hoping they give you the, the full transparency there. Uh, but that is a question mark. Sometimes it's for the right reasons. I've transferred sure. out of a 200 location brand, I once transferred out 80 <coughs> locations because we just didn't have the right mix, right? We had a lot of investor-based franchisees, but not operator franchisees. Gotcha. And our brand required an operator to be on site to actually work the business versus thinking they could pay somebody a salary and stay absent from the business and still make money. It just didn't work that way. Sure. Um, so that was, that, those were good transfers and it was going sure. towards the future vision of the brand. Uh, but so if that's item 20 on that one too. Item, this is all item transfer, 20. Okay, yeah, all so item, item 20. So item 20 will show you current <coughs> restaurant or store count. It'll show you number of franchise units versus corporate units. Um, the transfer information, basically everything you need to know about the location themselves, as well as a franchisee contact list. And this is where it gets interesting. So as a franchisor, they should never tell you who to call. Some might because they may be nervous, but that's still crossing boundaries. Sure. So as a franchisor, you're just supposed to provide the list and it's up to the franchise prospect to reach out to the franchisees. Okay. Got it. So they actually do provide you the contact information. Yes, okay. in a lot of cases, they'll actually also share those who are no longer franchisees of the brand. Oh. So I'd find that list and I'd go reach out to those people if that exists in that brand. 
Um, but as doing your own due diligence, I would call 20, 30, 40, however, many, however large the brand is, give a, get a good chunk of that. So maybe it's 50% of the brand, 60% of the brand. Reach out to as many as you can. Some will take your call, some won't, but call them, ask questions, right? And really drill them to make sure that you're not trying to find dirt. You're trying to just make sure it's something you can sustain. Like you're sure. comfortable with whatever they say the problems are, the opportunities, just day-to-day struggles. Like get a feel for what that is. Um, but the question you should ask the franchisee is ask the franchisor who's on your FAC, who's on your franchise advisory council, or any other committees you happen to have that are made up of franchisees. Ask them those names because usually they're not going to tell you those names because they're not supposed to. But ask those names, get them, and of course call those people. But know that when you're calling the FAC members, they're going to probably tell you a better story. Because usually FAC members are made up of people who are engaged in the brand, they're passionate about it, they have a voice in the community, and they're trying to impact change. So that's usually a more positive conversation. Should be. Sure. Uh, But that doesn't mean that that's where you should end. You want to have that balance with the guy who closed, you know, two years ago, right? Or whoever's disclosed in there, the one who's transferring in a couple months. You just want to get an overall sense of the community. And so that's really item 20. Um, now, FDD aside, there's a couple other areas that I would focus on. So those, that's the first three. The fourth thing is I would ask for an org chart, like what their current organizational structure is and overall headcount, and I would ask for it for the last three years. reason I do that, and this is not a common thing to look at or ask for, so franchisors may be a little confused by this, but you want to get a feel for where this brand is headed. You just reviewed item 20, and item 20 showed you the, basically the store growth or restaurant growth and or decline. And so you have a pretty good understanding of what's happening. Maybe it's going up, maybe it's going down, but what's happening to the headcount? And if the headcount is going down faster than the locations or it's not correlating to the growth, you might be in a situation where you're not gonna have the support that you actually need to be successful. I see. Because some franchisors, depending upon their royalty rates, their ad fund, and other fees they charge, it may not be enough for their P&L to sustain a strong enough team to actually support the demands of the business, believe it or not. And as a franchisee, you may go look out for these more affordable royalty rates, but if I'm a franchisee, I'm gonna stay away from the brands that have a low royalty and ad rate, because that means they don't have enough funds to properly support me or grow this business. I see, that's actually very interesting. Never thought about that, because everybody naturally just says, hey, I'm gonna go after the most affordable one. That's right. And discount the ones that are actually trying to help you build a company, build a brand, et cetera. So uh, I, like, this conversation has come up even internally within our own company and I'm like look the people that I pay the most attention to are the ones that help me take it to the next level that's right that allow that help me get more customers get more sales improve business that's right uh, grow top-line revenue so I guess that applies also over here because if they're taking that fund and they're helping you in a local market because once they help you increase revenue then right that's amazing like that's priceless right and, and, that, and that is a, a common mistake. And so be, be cautious of the franchisors that are having these advertisements of zero royalty. For or, 36 yeah, months, yeah, yeah, I've seen no that No royalties actually, for a yeah. year. This sounds attractive, and yeah, it's gonna save you on your bottom line, but that means they probably don't have a strong enough infrastructure to support a franchise network. Yeah, that's and a red so just, flag, yeah. Yeah, keep that in mind, right? You wanna make sure that, it, was, it has to be reasonable, right? If a franchisor who has 20 units is asking for 20% or 10% of what, that's, okay, that's insane. Yeah. And, and people have tried. But you know, look at whatever this brand is, whatever type of franchise it is, go look up similar competitors or, or whatever's in that industry. Is it casual dining? Is it more specialty brands? Is it ice cream, frozen yogurt? But go look at other franchises and what is their average royalty rate? Is this brand at least at parity 
right? Or maybe even a little bit higher than yeah, those brands. Plus on mine is a couple of points right. maybe. That's okay, but if you see a brand that's way off, like let's say the average uh, specialty concept has a 5% royalty rate. Okay, that's great. Uh, if the specialty concept you're evaluating has a 3% or a 2% royalty rate, okay, there's a problem there. Because one, that already tells you, guess what? Your competitors are better capitalized than this franchise you're evaluating because they have a stronger royalty rate, gotcha. right? Yeah. Uh, and same thing goes for the ad fund and any other fees they have. And so you need it to be reasonable. You need to see the potential of making money out of this franchise, but you want to make sure that you're not, you know, basically costing yourself out of business again, right? Yeah. Not having enough funds. And if the franchisor can't support with headcount or system of services from their own P&L or their ad fund, then it's not going to push the brand forward. Gotcha. Okay? And then the fifth topic? Well, I, well, real quick on the org chart though, I, I, would, I would go into this a little bit deeper. You want to look at trends of each department. So look at the levers that actually drive the business today. We all know technology is one of the largest components of business now. Technology feeds every other function and department in the business. So what does a technology team look like? Some brands who are accustomed to the past and, not, and they have not adapted to the future might only have one or two people in technology. Interesting. And, and that's not enough, yeah. right? Um, and then you want to look at marketing. That's another key player in today's world of how we're actually going to build brand awareness and drive revenue and traffic to the business. Um, and then, you know, we look at every department. Of course, on the, on the operations side, what does that franchisee support look like from a franchise business consultant standpoint or whatever your regionals are called? But just get a feel like, do you feel like it is, it is adequate enough for the size of the franchise that you're getting into? Okay, so org charts one. So the fifth thing that I would look at, and this, this is a critical one as well, and this gets in a little bit into the weeds, and some franchisors may not feel comfortable, and or they may not even have the answer, but as a potential franchisee, you have the right to, to ask this. But when you're looking at ad fund, so the ad fund is you know, mandated by probably every franchisor out there. All those funds that are raised, which is a percentage of the franchisee's gross and or net sales, all those earnings go into a fund. That fund has to be spent on some sort of media, marketing, advertising for the brand. The franchisor spends that on behalf of the franchisee. Okay, so every year they're supposed to spend majority of that. It's 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 common to have a little bit of you know, oh, you leftover, know leftover yeah, just sure. to reinvest in the beginning of the next year or whatever it may be. But majority should be spent, and so you want to understand what that looks like. How have they been spending those dollars today? And it's okay if it's just high level categories. But the big question in all this is what percentage of your ad fund is being allocated to headcount? Oh, because as a, oh, I see. As a franchisor, you have the right to allocate marketing headcount to the ad fund. I meaning see. the ad fund can pay for an entire marketing department of 20 people if it can afford it. That is great for the franchisor. That is obviously great for the franchisee if it can support enough headcount for you. But the bigger question is what happens if it's majority headcount and not enough working dollars to actually grow media, build brand awareness, do campaigns, launch new menus, whatever sure. is going on in that brand. So, so like having too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Right, and, yeah. and you'll hear this a lot. You'll see a strong marketing team, best of the best talent, but they complain about not having a big enough ad fund to actually grow the business. Sure, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. It has to be a mixed balance, right. very interesting. And, and there's, some, there's some crossover with technology these days, right? So some roles that are in maybe loyalty and digital, Sometimes that's on the technology side, sometimes on the marketing side, but you'll see some of those roles sneak into the ad fund as well. And so, again, it's up to the franchisor. It's their right, but just, just ask the question. You're not questioning the franchisors, you're asking questions. It's sure. a big difference. Yeah. But you want to understand what you're getting involved in. Are you getting involved with a franchisor that believes in having, yes, the right amount of headcount, but more working dollars? That's probably better for you. Or are you with the franchisor that believes in having the best of the best talent, paying top dollar, but just doesn't 
have enough left over, right? Yeah, because at that stage, you yeah. don't have any fuel. You've got the most incredible car. You just right. can't afford the fuel. You can't That's afford right. the maintenance. You can't afford the driver. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. sits on the driver. Why? <laughs> right. So it just right. kind of defeats the purpose. You've got to balance it out. It's not just, yeah. you know, you have to have the chiefs, but you have to have the individual contributors That's right. that actually move that forward. And you have That's to right. give them the right tools to make their job That's right. feasible, That's right. right? You can't expect them to do create something out of thin air, yeah. but yeah. But in, I mean, that's, that's the top five I would evaluate. But at the end of the day, what are you trying to accomplish as a franchisee? Do you want to buy yourself a job? And that's okay if you do, but sure, do you yeah. want to buy that job? And is that where you want to work because this is just your plan? Or are you trying to build something of you know, future wealth? Are you trying to actually build Real stability, then, right? Yeah. And, and what kind of franchisee are you going to be? And make sure that whatever the answer is aligns with the franchisor. Are you an operator or are you an investor? Are you going to be engaged or are you going to be passive? Sure. Figure that out first and then find a brand that can support you and make sure your why of being a franchisee is clear for yourself. Again, sure. don't go chase a shiny object. Yeah. Don't go chase the brand of the year. Really ask yourself why you're even considering this and then make sure you can get the right capital structure or investors to support the ongoing operation of that business. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Because also, like you also, if you're trying to grow, then you can't, you don't want to go into a 50 unit right. brand and own 40 of them and right. become, you know, right. bigger than Canada franchisee because they only have one or two stores of their own, sure. etc. So uh, I've always kind of, I've always wondered how they're doing that. You know, it's like you only have one or two, one store, yeah. you don't even have a store. You don't, you're not even on operation and you're making decisions on these operation yeah. things that is impacting yeah. the franchisee. Now that's a whole other topic we could dive into, <clears> but on that note, like it depends upon where the brand is in their life cycle. If they are an emerging brand, there should be at least five, three yeah. to five corporate units being ran and proven out. Now, if you're a larger brand, like when I was at Cinnabon, we had 2,000 locations, but only one corporate location. Well, but that makes sense because you've already, already proven done it. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and in fact, I ended up models. selling that last corporate unit to a franchisee nearby because you got to ask yourself as a franchisor, what business am I in? Am sure. I a franchisor or am I a corporate operator? Yeah. We're a franchisor. So let's sure. just keep our focus and our team aligned on the overall mission of supporting our franchisees and helping their revenue grow. Uh, but it just depends upon their brand's life cycle. But that is a good point as a franchisee. Make sure there's at least some proven concepts corporately and that they are in the same business that they're asking you to invest in. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that technology plays a huge role because yep. you know, even internally we're talking about kind of this division of ours that uh, will go under like Milagro Capital and our core competency is going to be the technology. That's right. And I think the brands that don't adopt that technology, they don't uh, go after utilizing technology to elevate the customer experience, yep. now the employee experience based on right. our previous topics with, with Pankaj saying, hey, customer experience is critical, but right. so is employee experience. That's right. And if they're, if they're not feeding that and they're not utilizing the latest thing, not the latest, but the, the technology to move that right. forward, then right. you may want, you may not want to be there. That's right. You and, and you don't want to have to figure it out. Right. Item seven and, you know, uh, looking at the, the ad fund spend and org chart, all that's going to point in that direction as well. Like, are they actually investing in technology and, you know, look for a tech fee. Tech fee to you as a franchisee might sound like more money to the franchisor, but it's not. A tech fee is going to help a franchisor get the best of the best technologies and keep reinvesting and or testing new services. And again, if there's a fund to do that, similar to an ad fund, that's a good thing for a franchisee. Sure, yeah. But again, if there's not the headcount that supports it or the strategy and the headcount that you see on Orktruck keeps going down, again, you may not be talking to the right franchisor. And ultimately, I mean, 
I look at it, the difference between going franchisee and opening your own independent right. is the support, is That's the right. technology, is the marketing team, is all the back-end support that you get versus you go do it yourself and have to figure it out. So right. if you open a franchisee and you have to go figure it out, then do your own independent brand and sure. don't even bother, why? Right. Right. You know? And That's there right. are brands out there. Actually, I know a brand that has like 130 units yeah. and it's free for all. Here are the recipes, you go figure it out. And it's like, why would right. I open this brand again? Like right. there's no support from the franchisor. Right, right. Let me hit one more thing, but we'll have to remember to bring this back and put it in item 20. So also in item 20, the, the other thing that you would want to look at is how, how spread is this franchise? So when you're looking at their breakdown of how many locations they have in each state, if they have one location here, two locations there, and they're just spread across Diverse the U.S., that's the, another yeah. challenge, red flag I would look for, because that means that your supply chain and overall distribution may not be that dialed in. And it may not be the, the you may not be able to leverage buying power yet because you're so spread. Gotcha. The brands that are selling out territories and saying, hey, we only have two spots left in the state of Washington. Okay, that's a good sign. That means they've been strategically filling out a state and they already have other franchisees there, which means they're gonna leverage their buying power, leverage distribution, supply chain, and it's gonna be better for you in the long run. But I know many franchisees who pay a premium on top of a premium to get certain goods and services because of their location and being yeah. too far away from the hub. And so the franchisors that are growing and they're emerging, it's more strategic and safer to do it in a certain region, right? And so get a feel for that with your, the franchise you're evaluating, just see what they're doing so far and what their strategies have been. And it's okay if they didn't start that way, but whatever, whoever the leadership is now, are they thinking that way? To yeah, go make sure forward, there's a roadmap right? together because yeah. food costs is it's only going up. Of, yeah, <laughs> it's only going up, but yeah, it's yeah. a third of your cost. So yeah. if they don't have the distribution in place to make sure that you get the best pricing because they have to get delivered and it's going to have a five, six, seven, ten percent right. cost increase, that's going to make a huge impact. Right. Right. You're going to have to do so much more. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Kendall, thanks for being here. A Absolutely. lot of interesting topics. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting here soaking <laughs> all this in because I've it. never... I didn't realize it's a 350 page book anyway to, yeah. to read this document. But right. thanks for the insight. Uh, we hope that everybody, you found uh, a lot of useful information in, in the topic of today. And if you're looking at uh, franchising, obviously do your own due diligence. If yeah. you need any support assistance, uh, feel free to reach out to Kendall. Absolutely. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely take your time evaluating the franchise. Um, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram. That's the best way to connect with me today. Uh, and we can go from there, but happy to help any way I can. Awesome, so, thank you. Yeah.